Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James B. Friel. Very excited that you guys are here with us today. We have a really, really cool guest today. She's going to be talking to us you know, about a whole bunch of things, but not the least of which is how you can actually convert followers into group coaching, um, which is kind of a cool topic. And I'm excited to dive into that. And she's got a whole bunch of other things she wants to share. But before we get to her, there is a very, very wise man. No, actually, that's not true. That's somebody else. There's somebody standing outside the studio, actually sitting on top of a white horse waiting for the queue to come into the studio. Let's welcome to the studio the one, the only, the bearded wonder, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> yes, I made it. It was, uh, it was a long ride, but I, uh, but I got it just in time. How are you doing, I'm James? great. D- does the... I'm always so curious about your mode of transportation into the show. Like, do you have to like feed and water the horse in the morning before you make it to the show? Like, how does that work? Yeah, we take frequent pit stops on the 200 mile trip it takes to get to the microphone. Oh, wow. You don't have a closer microphone. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Before. Well, that's okay. No, like, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to help. Appreciate and, it. and much to my horror, I found out recently you never even watched Star Wars either. So I'm sort of still holding that against you. Right. Yeah, I can feel the animosity. Yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> so in, in any case... Like, no, really, it's really not good. <laughs> it's this, The status of the situation is not good. Um, we almost broke up the show over it, from what I remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, so anyways, all right. So let's welcome to the show our, uh, our amazing guest today, Mariana Ruiz. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, how's it going? Amazingly, very well. I, I've never seen Star Wars either, but I've never seen Wizard of Oz, so you really can't can't blame me on that one. I don't care about <laughs> Wizard of Oz, Mariana. <laughs> I'm I think I'm just gonna pack it in. Dean, like I'm just gonna walk off the set right now. <laughs> yeah, James is done. I'm totally done. This like, is- how is this happening? <laughs> there's ten there's ten movies that span forty years. Like, you gotta see them. Like, obviously they've stood ten the test. Movies. Ten. Wow. Yeah. 10. And you want to hear something crazy? I watched all 10 in the chronological order, not the years that they were released, the chronological order during the months of December and January that just passed. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe I'm the weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you are. That is a little weird. Damn it. I hate when that happens. (laughs) All right. Well, let's, let's get to it. So Mariana, uh, I, I don't know. I don't really know if I feel like I can ask you the first question today because you're not on the same wavelength with me in Star Wars. But it turns out my podcast co-host, Dean, hasn't watched Star Wars yet either. Right. I feel like he can ask the first question. Oh, no. You're putting me on the spot. This isn't how this works. No, this is exactly how it works right now. <laughs> this is the punishment. Um, so, yeah. So how do we open the show? We say stuff like... Uh, <laughs> This is my favorite thing ever. All right. So, so to spare us all the gory details of how awful this could get, 
you have a background in a whole bunch of really interesting things, including brain science, um, and you did some stuff in the health industry and stuff like that. But then you've kind of leveraged that to get into helping people, uh, you know, grow their businesses, but also with adding this whole like group coaching thing to it. And I feel like there's a lot here that I want to unpack. But the first thing is, what on earth is brain science, and like how does that apply to anything that we might talk about today? Oh my god, I love this question. I am the biggest geek, so I never watched Star Wars, but you I You can't claim my- just so you know, you cannot <laughs> claim title of the biggest geek if you haven't seen those movies. Okay, but what about reading your first neurology book at 16 and becoming a diehard neurology fan? Like Don't <laughs> don't try and impress me with these trivial details, okay? <laughs> that I that is me, right? So just totally geeked out on the brain, man. Like it is so fascinating. It is so fascinating. So how it applies to anything we do here is how it applies to anything we ever do. And that is, um, in short, your thoughts, which are dictated by your brain, your the chemicals in the areas and all of that, but dictate your feelings, how you feel dictates what you do, and then what you do creates your results. So that's how the brain science ties into anything in business. So sixty. So where did the uh, whole study of neurology thing come from? You're just like, you just wake up one day and you're like, oh, you know what I need to do? I need to study the brain. Just through my own geekiness. Like, I don't even know how that happened. It was, I think it was just general curiosity. I was just always intrigued by it. Um, and the first book I ever read was on um, this phantom limb phenomenon. So there's actually the study where, and you may have heard of this. Um, the guy, Dave finds, what is the guy? Well, the baseball player. I remember a famous baseball player. That was the first time I heard about it. Sorry. I totally yeah. Yeah. So the guy has, is like, ha, is missing a limb. Yeah. Right. And so the scientist puts his like head in this, this type of like box. And basically he puts a mirror there and the brain thinks that it's his other hand that's missing right? And he's able to heal this phantom limb pain. And so for me, it was just like this crazy things that happen with your brain that can totally change your quality of life, right? So for for these patients with the phantom limb, it was they were experiencing severe pain often related to how they lost that limb. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So, so how totally, totally random. Well, it is until you tell us how it got you from like there to doing things in business and marketing and sales psychology. Hmm. Right. So, it's directly related to sales psychology. And how I got started with it is I, so because of my fascination with the brain, I studied psychology in undergrad and I went on to to do nursing school. And my first job as a nurse was in neurosurgical ICU. So I started working in the ICU and it was the coolest thing because you got to literally see people who had strokes in certain areas of the brain, like what the physical effect was on their body. And so it was really, really fascinating. Only my body, my own body hated it. I was working, you know, overnight shift, really, really long and late nights. And I was lifting literally 400 pound patients. (laughs) So not fun for my body. So eventually I climbed up the corporate ladder and ended up in hospital administration. And I love the business side. So since I was a kid, 
I've been into business type things, right? Like, what can I do to make money on the side and and that kind of thing. And so when I went into administration, it was fun for me to do the business, the number side. And then I found my, you know, my side entrepreneurial self still wanting to do something on the side. So as I was working in hospital administration, I started a side coaching hustle, right? Like it was health related. And then my preemie daughter was born and she was two pounds, comes home to me on breathing machines. So obviously I couldn't go back to that nine to five job, even though it was a cushy office job. I needed to be with her. So when she came home, I just leaned into that side hustle coaching business and here we are. (laughs) I was like, there is no better mix for me between applying the brain stuff in terms of the psychology and then the business passions that I've had. So for me, it was the perfect meld, although it seems totally irrelevant. All right. Well, so so that's pretty cool. So so let's talk about some of like the top things that you took from that whole, you know, study of neurology and brain science and everything else. What are the breakthroughs, like the mindset breakthroughs and the psychological breakthroughs that people have to have to really, you know, make it and grow a business? Okay. Number one, you need to be okay with selling, right? So business is the exchange of services for money. So I I think the first and number one thing is being okay with selling, asking for money, having conversations about money. You have a great podcast about money management that I just listened to. Um, So all of the conversation around money is the first mental breakthrough, I think, that must happen for you to be able to run the business. Right. So for example, so at at, um, Dean's House of Burlesque, you go in, you pay money, and he dances. Exactly. And believe me, right. I am okay asking for the money for that. <laughs> no problems at all. That's the most believable line I've heard you say on the show ever. Right. I'm literally dancing for dollars. Right. All right. So so let's say maybe there's other businesses besides that one. <laughs> so asking for the money, like why do you think that's such a problem for people before they mm. become better at it? I think they're thinking of it in terms of what they get instead of what the client gets. I agree. Yeah. So like the client gets to experience the value that you just gave them. Yeah. Right. So do you think there's, do you think there's an element that most people don't want to ask for the money because they feel like they're taking? Right. Right. Yeah. They make it all about them. Like you say. People are thinking this is about me. I'm taking the money from them instead of thinking about what the client needs and how this serves them. I think they get wrapped up in that. I agree. Yeah. And and I think like, especially if you're, if we're going to talk about, say, a group coaching program, right? So Dean, I sell you two group coaching programs. One, I charge you $2 and it's about how to really take care of your horse. And then I charge you... <laughs> A million dollars. No, maybe not a million, but we'll go with a hundred dollars. And it's about how to take care of your horse. Both of them, I ask you to do something uncomfortable. Which one are you going to listen to? The hundred dollar one. Right. 
So especially if we're doing a service that is asking somebody to do something that is going to create change, I think the asking for money piece and and really valuing that as a service to them is even more important. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So I guess that like, are you, are you referring in a way more to like selling the result rather than selling like the features of the thing? I'm thinking like, if we undercharge, the person that's suffering is the client. We're not really helping them. Like we think, oh my gosh, if I just make this cheaper, like so many more people will buy it. And then I will help all of these people. But if you make it cheaper, they might also just, it might just be in a digital hard drive somewhere. (laughs) They might not do anything. Definitely. Well, we have a, that is 100% fact isn't it like we have products all the way from like free plus shipping offers that are like nine dollars for the shipping all the way through to products that are like five figures and those that those that pay they pay attention that's what i've come to learn Mm -hmm. okay so so i think so just kind of i'm making a list um of these types of breakthroughs that people need to have so the so the money one is the first one like what after you after you get through that and you figure that out What's the next one that you're going to encounter? I probably would say that you're for you to make a bigger impact and to really build a sustainable business, you need other people, <laughs> not just yourself. So um, I think that would be the next one is that people grow companies. Man, that's the truth. Yeah. So, okay. So then there's all sorts of other... Um, you know, sort of mental barriers and things that people put in their way around that stuff. Like what do they have to overcome to get to that point? Yeah, I think it's it's realizing that we are not superhuman, maybe like as much as we think we might be. <laughs> well, I mean, I D- Dean, is, <laughs> Dean is superhuman. That's yeah, how he can actually be in two, two places at once. Um, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah, he's actually at home eating dinner with his wife right now. Also, <laughs> yes. um, no, but you're you're absolutely right. Like you're not you're not superhuman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's really that it's that piece that you know people grow companies. It's like, would Apple be Apple if it was still Steve Jobs in a dorm room? Right. I mean, no. Right. Like the the people that worked for Apple are what created Apple and what allowed it to be what it is. And how, um, okay. So, so let's talk, um, let's talk a little bit about how this sort of applies to group coaching. Cause that's one of the things that you're really focused on, right? Um, mm-hmm. how do you take all of that and use it to build a great group coaching, uh, program? Yeah. Is, it's letting go, releasing the grip of control. I've never had a grip of control. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So for me, it was it was that. It was like, I was like, I'm the only one that can really service these clients, right? Like the only one. So it went from that to how can I empower my clients? That was kind of like my next level. I was like, okay, let me just empower these people and really get them motivated and really empower them. But then what I realized is that people grow companies. 
And so what I did is I, I said, okay, I can actually create a lot more leverage if I work on my team. And so I developed and trained people on my team who sell my program for me, who, you know, deliver on different aspects of my program, like a community manager, um, someone who does customer service calls, right? So all of that is how you can do it. It's really just instead of thinking, you know, just scale your business with this offer, it's like, no, it's the whole process of scaling the whole business, not just the one offer, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So what what are some of the things that people like do wrong when starting a group coaching program? Like there's got to be a lot of common Good mistakes. Question, James. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> I think, um, I think it's like not doing the research, right? I mean, you have a digital programs, right? So it's, it's not like one day you woke up and said, I'm going to charge five figures for this program. It was like, I'm sure you went through a research and a vetting process of making sure the topic was right, that what you're teaching was solving a solution that people wanted. So I think that's what I see as the number one problem. Like they just don't figure out what problem they're trying to solve for people. Right. Or going from like a one-on-one model, or if you're doing coaching, consulting of any kind, right? You're selling on a sales call, you can pretty much customize for each person. But what happens is when you're going to to run a group program, you're going to want to scale how you sell it as well. And so the problem has to be super dialed in. It has to be very specific solution that you're offering. So what's uh, so? The, give me a good an example of one that would be like really specific and clear, and be a good example, and one that is sort of vague and not as much. Okay, so vague is like you're going to learn to love yourself. <laughs> okay, that's too vague, and more specific is okay. You're going to get through, you know, the first three months of your child's birth and do it so that you are still one whole human and you know like didn't lose your identity in that process yeah i think that one's got it and just james that's right and the first one was actually (laughs) that program was written by uh ramasio (laughs) how to love yourself (laughs) more than you should (laughs) uh um anyway so okay so so solving a very very clear and specific problem what's uh, like what's a good size group coaching program to expect? Like how long should it run for? Like all that sort of stuff. Okay. So my favorite thing to say is there's no right and wrong. (laughs) So, um, I have helped people and, and been in as like, as a member in programs that have been as big as 270 people and as small as three people, there is no right or wrong. Right. So it's up to you, but definitely if you're going to have a bigger group program, make sure you have people <laughs> to support you on that. And also decide, I think you have to make these decisions ahead of time is like, what is the experience you want to create for people, right? Do you want to develop a white glove, like personal type program, or do you want to provide more a, of a bigger group uh, experience for people where they can meet a lot of people? Uh, also, I think depends personality wise too, uh, what your style is. And then, as ter- in ter- in terms of the length, 
um, again, we've seen as little as like four weeks all the way to a year. Right. Four weeks to a year. In terms of, so like, so like in terms of delivering like a scalable group coaching program in terms of like an actual format of deliverables, just, just to get clear on that. So I'm interested, like, are we talking about like a digital delivered coaching program that comes with some sort of live element? Is it, is there always a live element? Is there not? Is it, is it taught live? Like as in live online through like a live platform, like a webinar or something like what, what's kind of like the structure for a scalable group program? Yeah, I think I think there needs to be a live component um, because the difference between, for me anyway, a group program and a course is that you have that accountability and the live components. Sure. So there is definitely something live. Whether you have something pre-recorded or not is totally your choice. Um, so they might have video content. I how I in one of my programs, it's a year-long program. They have the video content that they can go and consume, but every single week we're getting on a group call and you're getting coaching specifically from me every week. And I keep my group small. My groups are not more than 25, but that's again, my choice. Um, and in the, in, on the calls, they're getting more like laser specific focus. And I want them to go watch the videos on their own time so that we're not having to repass that same material over and over, but it's more application on the live right. calls. And I guess that, that would be my next question. If you, if you have like that live element and you and let's say somebody, uh, like you've just said, your group's small, but if somebody wanted to scale that and really keep bringing people into the program, I guess like how, how do you, how does that live element work to, in, in your opinion, in terms of it being relevant to everybody that's on there and or not creating some sort of confusion. Do you know what I mean? Like if somebody has been on the calls for six weeks, but then somebody joins today, like how does that structure work? Yeah. So I've actually been in programs and I've run programs like that. So if you, if you want to do a bigger program, you have to have sign up ahead of time, right? So they would sign up for their hot seat ahead of time. Okay. Right. Um, and you obviously wouldn't have the time to go through all the members. So if you had a hundred members, you're not going to cover everyone's question if everyone had a question on the same day. So, um, that's one aspect. And the other aspect is because we already had created that infrastructure ahead of time, which was they're working on one solution that's specific. They're really, whatever you cover, whatever someone asks is going to apply to multiple people. And this happens in our programs all the time. It's like, by the time I get to the fourth person, they're like, oh, it's okay. You already answered my question when you answered the first one, (laughs) you know? Um, So it's really, it's when you create that infrastructure first about the goal and what they're working on, it's going to automatically fix itself. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. And and just to piggyback on some of this stuff, how do you, how do you set the right expectations with people? about how much um, personal time they're going to get with you. Because I've seen a lot of coaches sort of get eaten alive by creating a group coaching program, but then sort of like it's now an unofficial like free-for-all and people just kind of like – I don't think everybody abuses them, but I see a lot of people who get abused. Mm -hmm. Boundaries. (laughs) So you – 
one, you want to set the boundaries at the beginning. So that first confirmation email is going to say like, hey, you know, the way to contact me is through XYZ, whether that be, you know, between calls, you can only talk to me in the Kajabi members area, or you can only talk to me in the Facebook group, um, setting that boundary. Uh, and then throughout the program, if somebody does, you know, like step over that boundary, you remind the entire group of what your boundary is for that. Yeah. And, and like, do you have like special, like, uh, like onboarding content and stuff that sort of like sets the tone for things? Yes. Um, so we actually do, they come in, they do a cash infusion campaign because in ours, they're actually building, uh, adding six figures in revenue. So that's my year long program. They're adding six figures in revenue in that year. So the first thing they're doing is a cash infusion. And then from there, they're going to go into doing an assessment. So top to bottom assessment of their whole business. Um, I found that that works very well because it's a year long program. So they not only do they have to see results, but I want to see like how they're progressing through their, their process. Um, and again, like I said, I keep my programs very short, um, but I do generally like to give them a quick win. So a quick win in the beginning so that they really build that momentum and see the progress that they're creating. Yeah. Can I, I'm just going to ask you a question. I, I, I'll be honest, I've, I've not actually come across like a year-long program. Maybe I've, I've just not looked at, obviously mm-hmm. I've not looked at everything, but like, I'm, I'm really curious, how do, you, how do you hold people's attention and keep them moving through a program that is a year long, if you don't mind me asking? I think it's number one, those quarterly, quarterly reviews. Right. So every quarter I assess their whole right, business. Okay. Um, so there's like, they, they've got yeah. that accountability to know like, oh, I've got to be doing this and taking action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, every month they meet with an accountability coach on my team. Um, at this time, it's my uh, OBM is taking over the role because we had somebody leave in customer service. Um, but they meet once a month with our team and every week they are supposed to be on the group calls. If we notice, and this is why we keep the group small, right? If we notice people are not showing up, we'll just message them and and ask them to come back. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess it wouldn't quite be quite be as effective at like scale. Like it couldn't be like a a ton 200 person program, I guess, at that size. Yeah, exactly. And and it it just depends, right? If it's something that you know you want it to be a longer term program or you have a big goal for them and you really want to handhold them through, then a smaller program makes sense for them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just a, another curious question I, I, I always wonder, like, is it possible with coaching and consulting that side of things for the actual main entrepreneur to remove themselves from that, from all the deliverables? All of the re- deliverables, I don't know. Um, honestly, like every group program that I've been in, or even yeah, every single one, they've the main entrepreneur, like the brand builder, yeah. the CEO, is still doing some service of the group. Yeah. Well, so I mean, but but think about like so, um, uh, you know what Russell Brunson's done with Two Comma Club Coaching. Team? Oh yeah, true. Yeah, sure. right. I mean, we had, you know, and I'm, I'm part of that, right. I'm one of the head coaches of that. And, but I mean, there's an, 
there's an entire support staff. I mean, there's like a whole, like it would be bigger than a lot of people's businesses just to support that coaching program. You know, but everyone has an accountability coach, kind of like what Mariana is saying. Like everybody has an accountability Mm -hmm. coach. There's like clear step-by-step on what to do next, like all those things. So I think what, what that's shown me is that it's not necessarily there's like a limitation to scale, but you've got to build the right infrastructure to be able to do sure. that because, you know, certainly if Russell was running it by himself, you know, he wouldn't be able to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. In yeah. There. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think remembering too, like you are charging more for that time, right? So it's, it's scalable and there are limits to that scale, but like you are charging for that time more than you would if it was a course or something totally self-study. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So what, um, what else, what else do you think people should, should know if they're considering adding a group coaching program? Like who, who is it good for? Like what kinds of businesses should, should be thinking about this? Yeah. So we've helped people, um, in all kinds of coaches, consultants. Um, we've even helped people like in doctors, like anything that you are trying to provide a result for somebody and they could use some accountability in creating that. Right. So that would be uh, how I would put it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So that could, that could be applied in like many different areas. Mm-hmm. Right. So getting, getting people from one place or initial result to another place with the mm-hmm. final result. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, this has been, this has been really cool. Um, besides the whole Star Wars thing, obviously, <laughs> but I felt like it needed to be said one more time. You never let him go. Um, no, no, I'm, I got my, I got my claws in that one. So, um, Dean, is there anything, um, that you'd like to share or parting words of no, wisdom? Just, uh, no, it's been uh, awesome getting lots of insight into this. I, I, I probably could have like lots of questions I could just keep throwing at you all day, but, uh, we got to round up. So I guess like, is there somewhere, uh, Mariana, where people can go if they want to find out more about what you do or? Yeah, sure. I have a podcast. It's called the impact driven entrepreneur. And we talk all about scaling and growing your group programs. Um, and I have a Facebook community as well. We're extremely active in there. It's called the coaching for impact community. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, we'll post all the links to that stuff in the show notes too, just so you guys thank know. You. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being here, Mariana. And um, you know, between you and me, I really do hope I w- I was hopeful for this relationship. Um, and I hope you can go watch Star Wars so that like I can like I can re rekindle that hope. <laughs> Dean is a Dean is like like a lost cause. So I'm writing him off, but I'm hoping that you won't let me down. All right. We'll have to, we'll have to do some time blocking. And like, <laughs> like you said, we'll just take two months to watch them back to back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it doesn't need to be productive. Like I'm on here all the time talking about how to grow business, but you should have Star Wars time too. <laughs> oh um, yeah, totally. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Um, thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we appreciate you guys. We are super excited. We're actually coming up on a hundred episodes. Uh, we're going to be doing something extra special for episode 100. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you guys soon. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, 
visit DeanHolland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.